My daughter was 22, and uh, uh, our, and uh, her boyfriend wanted to have lunch with me, and then he called my wife and said he wanted her to join us. So so we sat there for a while and made small talk with him until finally he said, I want to talk to you about this, this thing with your daughter. And I said, what thing with my daughter? And he said, finally... <laughs> He said, finally, I, I, I want to marry her. And, you know, I, I never thought it would bring up such emotions in me. Reflecting back, you know, over my life and her as a little girl. And, and uh, it's a it's fairly emotional time for me. And uh, 20, gosh, now 25 years ago, 26 years ago, I had a shop here in Belen. Uh, I did auto upholstery. And uh, I drove by here yesterday. I wanted to go to Blake's. I remembered where Blake's was. So I left the hotel. I came down. I had lunch at Blake's. I saw the church when I went by, and I hadn't seen the church. And I thought, wow, look at that. There it is. Not hard to find. Afterwards, I, I drove out, and I drove up to look where the shop was. It's like a half a block down the street. Uh, I used to commute every day from Albuquerque down here for a year and a half. I did a lot of the dealerships around the area. And if you guys have cars that are over 25 years old, maybe I did the seats in that car. So probably worth some money now. Not because I did the seats, but just because of the, the age of the car. But it's just kind of interesting to see uh, how God works things together and, and hear, boy, you know, just having a, a shop down the street that I worked at for a year and a half. And, and now to see what God's doing here absolutely amazes me. I'm, I'm blown away with this. Uh, let's pray and we'll begin. Father, we want to thank you for the work that you are doing in each one of our lives. We thank you for the work of the Spirit in us, we thank you that we can gather together here, and, and Lord, we don't do it lightly. We do not gather together here on a Saturday, giving you this time that we can kind of just nonchalantly gather together and, and uh, express our, our love for you. We want to be challenged. We want to be encouraged. We want to be strengthened by you. And we pray that your spirit would touch our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. During this conference, we want to be reminded that God has called us to be soldiers, that we have been enlisted by him into an army. And a soldier's lifestyle is different than a civilian's lifestyle. I want to start off by reading you a story that I found in a Charles Swindoll book called Living on the Ragged Edge. I want to read, first of all, the paragraph that he gives and then read the story in his words. And then we'll go on with our study once we get there. So this is in the words of Charles Swindoll as he tells this story in chapter 19 of Living on the Ragged Edge. He says, it is possible to live our entire lives from the wrong perspective, believing that we are right, we can be wrong. Thinking we are hitting the target, we can miss the mark by miles. That was reinforced in my mind when I read a rather amazing story that comes from American Indian lore. An Indian brave found an egg that had been laid by an eagle. Not being able to return the egg to the eagle's nest, the next best thing was to put it in a nest of prairie chickens. The result was predictable. The hen sat on the eagle's egg, along with her own eggs, being completely unaware of the addition. By and by, the little eaglet was hatched alongside of the prairie chickens. All his life, the changeling eagle, thinking he was a prairie chicken, did what prairie chickens did. He scratched in the dirt for seeds and insects to eat. He clucked and cackled. And he flew in brief flashing of the wings and flurry of feathers no more than a few feet off of the ground. After all, that's how prairie chickens flew. Years passed and the changeling eagle grew very old. One day he saw a magnificent bird far above him in the cloudless sky hanging. 
With graceful majesty on the powerful wind currents, it scored it soared with scarcely a beat of its strong golden wings. What a beautiful bird, said the eagle to his neighbor. What is it? That's an eagle, the chief of the birds, the neighbor clucked. But don't give it a second thought. You could never be like him. So the changeling eagle never gave it another thought and died thinking it was a prairie chicken. It's kind of a sad story, but it is a story. It's not a real one, right? You guys know that. It's kind of a, it's kind of a sad story. But I wonder how many of us live prairie chicken lifestyles when God has made us eagles. God has that we would soar. Have we forgotten that the Bible tells us that if we will wait on the Lord, he will renew our strength and that we will mount up with wings like eagles? Waiting on the Lord is not the stuff of prairie chickens. It's the stuff of eagles. We spend our lives doing things that that prairie chickens do. We spend our lives scratching in the dirt, looking for a bug here and a seed there, and we get excited when we find them. And when God comes along and says, I want to change things. I want to shake things up. I want to do something in your life that has never been done before. We say, well, Lord, I don't know. I like my prairie chicken lifestyle. I get really excited when I find an insect in the dirt or I find a seed in the dirt and I don't know that I want to to soar, but I really believe that deep down inside of us there is something that encourages us, that we would be able to set our wings on the currents, that we would be able to find the life that God has called us to and live it. In fact, it was Jesus who said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. wasn't that long ago I was watching... TBN. I don't know why I watch TBN. I I do it for the entertainment factor. Me and my daughter were watching TV the other day, and you know we we're just flipping through the stations. I said, let's go to TBN and let's bet on on, on how weird it's going to be. You know, I'll say it's going to be a six on a level of one to ten, and she said it was going to be an eight, and she won. In fact, it was like a nine on between one and ten. But I, I turned over to watch it not long ago. And they had some guy on there talking about the abundant life, quoting the scripture that Jesus said, you know, that that he's come to give us life and life more abundantly. And then he talked about nicer cars and a bigger house and, and, and nicer clothes, talked about the shoes that he was wearing at the particular time. But see, when you hear Jesus say, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly, do not think of nicer cars and bigger houses and clothes. That's the stuff of prairie chickens. That's prairie chicken living. That's people who are living here upon the earth, and in the end, that is nothing. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes teaches us, that if we pursue those things at the end, it is nothing. When Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly, it was something that cannot be obtained by anyone here on this earth. You cannot obtain it through the flesh. You cannot obtain it by gaining things. You can have all of the things in the world, and yet even as Solomon, the richest man in the world, said, it is all vanity. The writer of the Hebrews said, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently seeking the Lord is the stuff of eagles. God said to Jeremiah, at a particularly low time, by the way, how are you going to run with horses? If you grow tired when you're running with men. See, running with horses, that's the stuff of eagles. Prairie chickens don't keep up with horses. And finally, Isaiah, and I quoted this a little bit earlier. If you wait upon the Lord, you will renew your strength and you will mount up with wings 
like eagles. If we're going to be the soldiers that God has called us to be, then at some point we have to put the things of this world aside. At some point we have to come out from among them and be separate. We have to live a different lifestyle. And if we're going to live a different lifestyle, then we're going to have to learn to walk wisely before the Lord and put foolishness aside. Open up your Bibles with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. I'd like to take a few moments to look over a couple of passages here that, great passages, hidden away in the middle of a book that a lot of people read through rather quickly. And as always, when you slow down and begin to study God's word, you find that there are There are treasures and there are jewels that can stir us up. If you're familiar with the book of Ecclesiastes, you know that chapter 10 is a contrast between the fool and the wise. No less than 10 times in this chapter, he uses at least the the concept of a fool. And no less than six times, he compares that to being wise. And so he speaks of foolishness and of wisdom. And for the sake of our study today, foolishness is the things of prairie chickens. Wisdom is the things of soaring like eagles, discovering all that God has for us. Before we get into what the Bible has here has to say about fools in chapter 10, I'd like to give a definition of a fool, or at least gain a definition of a fool by what the Bible says about foolishness. First of all, the Bible says that a fool does not know his folly. In other words, if you are here today and you are a fool, you don't know that you're a fool. That's why it's impossible to correct a fool. The Bible says correct a fool with his folly. A couple verses later it says correct a fool not by his folly. And you go, well, which one is it? Well, the bottom line is you can't correct a fool. It is a waste of time. You might as well run face first into a brick wall. It will be as effective as trying to correct a fool. So if you are here today and you are a fool, well, you don't know it anyway. And if I were to spend time talking to you, it would be useless. It wouldn't help because you would say, well, that's not me. The Bible says, better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs. Think about that for a moment. You're walking through the pines. Suddenly there's a bear robbed of her cubs. Do you think that it's not going to take it out on you? Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool in his folly. Not only does a fool destroy his own life, but he destroys the lives of people who are around him as well. The Bible says that a fool's mouth calls for blows. I'm not quite sure exactly what that that means. Does it mean that he picks fights? Or does it mean that a fool just goes blah, 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 that you finally want to just come here, let me take you out kind of thing. Which is probably the case. I was in... Starbucks and I ran into a guy uh, probably about a year and a half ago. I literally ran into him. It was early in the morning, semi-early, 8 o'clock or so, 8, 8.30, and I ran into him. I walk into Starbucks and he's walking across and he runs into me. And all of a sudden I realize he's drunk, 8.30 in the morning. And when I ran into him, he looked at me and goes, you know, beep, 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 starts cussing me out. Then he gets in my face. You want to fight? He puts his fist up. He's drunk. You want to fight? Then he puts his face in. He goes, go ahead, hit me. All right. No, no. (laughs) Pastor hits drunk in Starbucks. It just wouldn't... It wouldn't make good headlines at all. A fool's mouth calls for blows. There's a lot of things when it comes to a fool. The Bible says a fool has said in his heart that there is no God. 
We know that. Someone who denies the existence of God is foolish in what he has done. But how much more a fool who believes in God and yet doesn't live like there is a God? If the guy who says there is no God and he lives like there's not a God is a fool, how much more a fool is the one who says, I know that there's a God, but I'm going to live for myself. I'm going to live the prairie chicken lifestyle. I'm going to live for the things in my life and I'm not going to live for God. See, I don't know how much of a fool that person is. And I don't want to spend my time today talking to fools because that's a waste of time. But rather, I would spend my time talking to those of you who are wise, those of you that are respected, those of you that are honored, but occasionally act like a fool. Anybody hear that? I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to raise both of my hands. All right. So it's most of us. So I've got an audience then. The Lord has blessed us with wisdom through the scriptures. The Lord has blessed us with respect by the people who are around us. And you guys know that, hey, a lot of people that you work with, a lot of people you go to school with, a lot of people that are in your departments, a lot of people that are in your offices, a lot of people that are around you daily will never walk through the doors of a church unless they see someone's life radically radically transformed first. And God has placed you where he's placed you to make that difference. Years ago, when I was the youth pastor in Calvary Chapel of Albuquerque, I worked at a place called Murphy Dorn. It was on Osuna and San Mateo, basically. And uh, it was an, I, I did upholstery for them, but uh, that, the place did vinyl tops and cruise controls and radios and those kind of things. And, and um, I had told them that I would work there for a year and a half at the time. And, and I was establishing upholstery for them. They didn't do it when I got there. I was setting it up for their shop. And um, so I was learning to do what they did. I was learning to put in the convertible tops and the vinyl tops and those things for them. And I was working in the the regular shop. There were about 10 guys that worked there. And they did, you know, talk as guys do in a shop. I get in there and they're telling dirty jokes and stuff. And I made a mistake. I told them, you know what, guys? I don't want to hear this anymore. If you're going to tell your dirty jokes, tell them when I'm not around is what I told them. Well, that was a mistake because now they told their dirty jokes to me. Robert, did you hear the one? Furrow. And then I'd ignore him. I'd be in a car. Furrow, furrow, furrow. Robert, Robert. Finally put my head out. Did you hear the one? Ah, you put my head back in the car. They harassed me because they realized as a Christian that I was not going to retaliate. So they began to push me. They began to see how far they could push me before I would retaliate. And I tell you what, if any of you guys have been in a situation like that, that's a tough situation to be in. By the grace of God, I, I didn't retaliate. Even though I wanted to retaliate. You know, you can can do some things and then you think, I can repent later, Lord. (laughs) But it's interesting to me, in the year and a half that I was there, I got to share with every one of those guys. And in fact, the toughest guy that was there, I had, you know, over a period of time, I'd set up the upholstery shop and I was in a completely different part of the building. I had guys that were working for me in that particular area. And one day, the toughest guy that was there, the guy that was the, the harshest to me, came back and said, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. He said, my, my wife left me last night. I, I don't know what to do. And I sat down and I shared the Lord with them and I prayed with them and I told them, hey, I'll get together with you and your wife. You know, you guys could change your whole lifestyle. You could begin to live for Jesus. And it was an absolutely amazing thing. People that you think are farthest from the kingdom of God can often be the closest. And God has placed you there among them. And because you are a Christian, there is a respect and there is an honor that is there. And when foolishness enters into your life as a respected, honored, wise man, well, it can be an ugly thing. 
Have you ever had somebody who you really, really respect, really respect, fall into sin? It strikes you more than when someone you don't respect falls into sin, doesn't it? Look at verse 1 of chapter 10, the book of Ecclesiastes. It says, Dead flies putrefy the perfumer's ointment and cause it to give a foul odor. So does a little folly in the one respected for wisdom and honor. He takes us into the the perfumer's house. Wherever they make perfume and whatever they did and however they put together their concoctions to make the perfume. And perfume, as in our day, was very expensive. And it tells, you know, a few flies fall into it. And the guy says, eh, it's all right. It's just a few flies. And he keeps it in his concoction and it putrefies the whole batch. So is it when a little bit of folly gets into our lives. We make a couple of decisions, we get a little folly in there, we think it's okay, it's not that much folly, and we stir it up, and pretty, pretty soon it's putrefied. Look at verse 2, or the, uh, the end of verse 1 actually. So does a little folly in one respected for wisdom and honor. Just a little bit of folly that's in. Look at verse 3. Even when a fool walks along the way, he lacks wisdom. A fool, not even in the major decisions, but in the little decisions of his life, makes poor decisions. Verse 5, there is an evil I have seen under the sun, an error proceeding from a ruler. Folly is set in great dignity. Hey, when a fool gets a position of honor, you ever had a boss that's a fool? No, don't raise your hand. Okay, you ever work right now for a boss who's a fool? Don't raise your hand. I didn't see any of your staff raising their hand. That's a good thing. But have you ever worked for someone who is a fool and you think, how did they ever get in this position? How could they ever do that? What an ugly thing that is. Jump ahead with me to verse 10. Here's another great verse. Verse 10 says, if the axe is dull, by the way, verses 6 through, through 9 kind of give a picture of, of the man who's living in folly and how he's destroying his own life. Finally, it gets to the point of an axe and talks about being injured by an axe. And then in verse 10, it says, if the axe is dull... And one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. Well, if you've ever swung an axe, you know exactly what he's talking about. Do you know that most people get hurt when they get hurt by axes, not with sharp axes, but with dull axes? Because it ricochets off the wood. And if ever you've been cutting wood and it's ricocheted off, I'm sure we've, almost all of us have had that experience to one degree or another. It is because your axe is getting dull and it's no longer cutting into the tree. And so if you just stop for a few minutes and you sharpen up the axe, you'd get back to cutting again and it's a lot less work. A lot of us spiritually have dull axes. Things that we haven't, things in our lives that we don't spend time sharpening the axe. We just don't stop and and sharpen it up. We kind of move on and we're doing what we do for the Lord. We've got some things in our lives that they're okay to do. Remember Paul said, all things are lawful for me. Hey, we have been set free. We're not legalistic. We have a lot of things that are lawful. I was in a Christian bookstore uh, in Tucson not long ago. And and they had country music playing. Now in the 30-something years that I've been a Christian, I don't think I've ever walked into a Christian bookstore with country music playing. Now, country music is bad enough. Nothing wrong with, well, maybe there is something wrong with country music, but just because it's country. But uh, other than that, 
I'm going to get myself into trouble, I know, but... You know, I mean, okay, the, the first song that I'm listening to, and I'm walking around, I'm looking at the books, and I'm listening to this song, and it's, it's a song by Tim McGraw called Live While You're Dying. It's got a guy who gets cancer and then figures out, I've got to change the way I'm living. It's a, it's a good message, right? Those of you guys who are familiar with it, no one will, of you here will admit that you're familiar with it at all, by the way. No, Tim McGraw, I don't even know who that is. Don't know what song it is, not me. Well, you know, it's a decent message. It's not a Christian message by any means, but it's a positive message. So many churches today, so many people today get stuck on, well, this is a positive message, but is it a message that uplifts Christ? Is it a message that, that builds your spirit? There can be positive messages that do not build you spiritually. Then the next song came on, and it was just a filthy song. And I'm walking around looking at these books, and I'm thinking, I don't think I've ever experienced this before. Where you're in a bookstore, and you're, you're, you're listening to this going on, and I thought, wouldn't it be better if we would listen to things that are edifying? Hey, you know what? There's nothing wrong with driving down the road and listening to country music if you want to. Well, I shouldn't say there's nothing wrong with it. It's a little weird that you would do. No. Uh, something's wrong because it's country music again, right? But if you want to spend your time doing that, well, then okay, fine. You can do that. All things are lawful for you. But how much better to use that time while you're driving down the road, sharpening your axe? How much better using that time, listening to something where you can pull the axe out spiritually and you can begin to sharpen it up? How about, you know, it's like my, my routine. You guys have a routine before you go to bed at night? I think we probably all do. I've got a routine. The first thing that I do before, when I get ready to go to bed, all right, I'm going to go to bed, is I go back to the back room and we have television there and I watch the news. And I watch probably no more than 20 minutes of it until I get disgusted enough to actually change the channel. Something comes on and I go, ah, and I change the channel. Then I go to Sports Center and I watch Sports Center. And you guys, most of you know that it's a half hour show, right? It shows all the highlights. But I watch it twice. Why I watch it twice, I really don't know. I want to, you know, oh yeah, I remember this catch here. Yeah, that's cool. I remember that there. And I, I watch it two times. Then before I go to bed, I get my Bible out. And I read my two chapters. And it's what I've always done. It's what I was taught as an early Christian. Read two chapters a day. I don't think there's anything magical about two chapters. It's just what I've done. So I read my two chapters. And, and if it's kind of late, I read them fast. And I usually have a pencil in my hand. And I, I try to highlight something that speaks to me. So I'll underline something. And then before I go to sleep, I'll try to set that to memory. I'll go back over it a little bit. Not completely, but just the, 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 the sense of the text. And then I'll lay down in bed and I'll think about it while I'm going to sleep. But, you know, I'll read it so fast that, that sometimes I, I won't even remember the two chapters that are there. Read it through. Yeah, oh yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah. All right, I got that verse underlined. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, now go to bed. Well, again, nothing wrong with watching Sports Center. It's, it's the things of prairie chickens. It, it's not going to set my wings on the, the currents upon high. I'm scratching around in the dirt. When I, you know, see that catch, ooh, that's a good worm. You know, that's a good bug. That's, that's a good, you know, seed. It's the stuff of prairie chickens. And often the Lord begins to convict me just to go outside and spend some time with them. Maybe to slow down and take out the axe and sharpen it a little bit more before I go to bed at night, just so I have the sharp axe. See, temptation, fellas, tests that God gives us and temptations that the devil hits us with, they're never scheduled. We can never go, oh, oh yeah, I'm going to be tempted here to, two days from now, so I better sharpen the axe. It's kind of dull right now. Temptations come out of the blue. Temptations come when we are, well, we think we are the strongest. 
Temptations come when we are, they are completely and totally unexpected. And we wonder why we give in to it. We wonder, why did I blow it? I thought I had things going really well. Could it be that we're just using more strength when it comes to temptation because the axe isn't sharpened? Now, I'm not talking legalistically. I'm not telling you guys, you've got to read your Bible every day or you go to hell. It's not the kind of message that I'm bringing. I'm not telling you. I've sat through enough messages like that. I'm not telling you, you guys don't pray enough. You guys don't read enough. You guys aren't spiritual enough. I'm not getting down on you in those ways because we know we walk in the grace of God. Like the worship song says, we, we walk in fields, fields of grace and God's grace pours down on me. And we walk in that. And God's grace is sufficient for us. But if we spend all of our time doing the things of prairie chickens, we get together, get together with other Christians and talk about, well, in Tucson, we would get together, we talk about the wildcats. You guys might talk about the slobos. I mean the lobos. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I... We have a greater bond in Christ, see, as brothers in the Lord, and it has nothing to do with... The, the teams, but uh, we may get together and talk about those things, you know, whether it's the Diamondbacks or whether it is the, you know, the, the U of A Wildcats or, or whether it is the Lobos. We may, we may talk about those things and, and, and for us and our football team, how bad our football team is. Or, but those are the things of, of, of prairie chickens again. And I wonder when we get together if we didn't just look to encourage one another. I mean, it doesn't have to be overly spiritual. It doesn't have to be fake where we can just simply begin to share, hey, I read a passage the other day, interesting passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, talked about flies in the perfume and, and, and how that putrefies the perfume and so does a little folly in the life of a man. And, and you maybe just begin to discuss things. The next thing you know, iron sharpens iron. You got your axe out and you're, you're sharpening up your axe. Then the next thing you know, God sends a test along your way and you set your wings on the wind and you soar. Because, well, your axe is sharp. Or the test comes for temptation. And the next thing you know, where you gave in to the temptation and you were regularly giving in to the temptation, now you're not. Your wings suddenly are, are set on the current. And you find yourself soaring and you say, boy, is this, this what the Lord meant when he said, no temptation has overtaken you that not, is not common to man? But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond your strength, but with the temptation, provide a way of escape. So many men don't look for the way of escape anymore, don't look to set their wings on the currents. You know, someone once said that, you know, struggle with sin. I don't struggle with sin, I just give in to sin. For some of us Christian men, it's like that. There's no struggle with it, we just give in to it. Rather than struggling, may the Lord allow us to sharpen up things that we might set our wings and soar, even as God has called us to soar. My desire is that I would... Move on from the foolishness that enters into my life from time to time. Now, we've talked kind of in a negative sense on the area and the concept of foolishness. But I would like us to finish today by talking about three ways that we can gain wisdom in our lives. How, how can we gain wisdom? How can we set our mind on the things of eagles rather than prairie chickens? Well, three things. Number one, James chapter one tells us that if we lack wisdom, let us ask of God. Right? You guys familiar with that verse? If we lack wisdom, let us ask of God who gives to all men liberally. He gives to all men freely. 
And then it says, don't ask doubting for a double-minded man will not receive anything from the Lord or let a double-minded man not think that he'll receive anything from God. That verse has always kind of challenged me. Because I'll be reading through James and I'll read, okay, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And I'll go, well, that's me. I lack wisdom, so I'm going to ask of God. Lord, would you please give me wisdom? Then the next verse says, but when you ask, don't ask doubting. And of course, then I doubt that I got it. Well, then, you know, God, couldn't you put that verse somewhere else? Because I doubt now that I got it, but, you know, after I pray. It simply means believe that God's big enough to give us the wisdom that we need. Just trust God. Lord, I've asked for it. I believe that you're going to give it to me. And I, and I need that wisdom in my life. But that's not all there is. It's not just asking God for wisdom and then going on and believing that somehow that wisdom is going to be infused into our lives. It's like we've heard when you ask for patience. You know, it's the trials and it's the temptations that bring patience, right? So when you pray, God, give me patience, God, patience, God goes, okay, here comes the trials. And you say, well, no, God, I just wanted you to give it to me supernaturally. I wanted the patience to seep in. I didn't want to go through difficulties in order to get it. Well, wisdom doesn't come into our lives just seeping into it. Turn with me over to Proverbs chapter 2. Here he speaks once again about gaining wisdom in our lives. It says, my son, if you receive my words, chapter 2, verse 1, Proverbs 2, 1, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom, if you want to set your ear towards learning wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, the word cry out means emotional, cry with tears. The word to lift your voice means to yell. You cry, you scream for understanding. It is putting some action into gaining understanding and knowledge. If you seek her as silver and search for her as with hidden treasure. It's more than just saying, well, I need a little wisdom in my life. God, would you give it to me? It's saying, this is a priority in my life, and I want wisdom like a man would search for hidden treasure. If you were searching for hidden treasure, what kind of a... If you took a vacation to find hidden treasure, what kind of a effort would you put forward to it? About an hour and a half north of Tucson are the Superstition Mountains. In the Superstition Mountains, there is so-called the Lost Dutchman's Mine. There was a Dutchman miner there who was supposed to have hidden a treasure... And I read an article not long ago that said that every rock in the Superstition Mountains, they're not that big, but that every rock in the Superstition Mountains had been turned over and looked under two or three times by treasure hunters. And there are still people that live in the Superstition Mountains just because they believe that one day they're going to find that treasure. Do you look for wisdom with that kind of an intensity? He goes on to say in verse 5, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And we know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. Again, if you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives to all men freely. But do we expect that we're going to find it if there's no diligence in our lives? Do we expect that we're going to find it if we don't seek for wisdom for God, for the, the things of God in our lives, like we're searching for hidden treasure? Now, one more thing. We ask God for it. We seek for wisdom. 
I also believe that if we are going to find wisdom, we need to be obedient to the teachings of Jesus specifically. The teachings of the Bible in general will give us great wisdom. But, but how wise are the very teachings that come from Christ? And have you ever noticed how practical the teachings of Jesus are? You can use them every day. You know, he told us if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn your left. Somebody insults you and we get insulted a lot. Don't retaliate. That's, that's wisdom. There are several others of those. The Bible says if someone curses you, then, uh, then bless them. Pray for them. Driving back from, I went to Lake Powell with my 12-year-old just a couple of weeks ago. And I'm driving back with him and we're going through Phoenix at 4 o'clock. Any of you guys familiar with Phoenix? Wednesday, 4 o'clock. It is stop and go traffic. It's the time that you say in your mind, I hate Phoenix. It's the time when you say, I am so glad God called me to Tucson or Berlin or Albuquerque, wherever you're from, rather than Phoenix. And I've got a boat on the truck and I'm trying to get over to the carpool lane because there's two of us to get over the carpool lane. Well, it's actually three of us. There's another person with us as we were coming back. We're, we're, we're making our way over to the, the carpool lane and click, click, click. And finally someone lets us in and someone lets us in. But we get to the carpool lane and it's not going much faster but it is going faster, which is why I thought we need to go over there, just a little bit faster. And I've got my turn signal on, and I've creeped over the line to let people know I want in. And they all have really good gap management. You know what that is? It's like the gap is just right where I can't pull in behind them until suddenly a lady falls asleep. And her gap gets out of control. And so I realize I can make it in there. So I start to go. When she wakes up and goes... Hey, and she hits her horn, beep, you're cutting me off. And she you know, goes around me, almost hits the wall there. It's a brick, you know, concrete wall that's up there. Goes around me. The other person that was with me, not my son, said, Boy, I'm, it's a wonder they didn't flip you off. Just that moment. She rolled down her window, stuck her hand out the window, beep, and flipped me off. There it is, right there. Now we drive up a little bit more. She decides she needs to get off. I guess she's got a lane, you know, got to get over and get off. So she pulls over into the lane over here, which stops. And then the carpool lane stops right next to her. Her window's down. I pull up in the truck and I look over at her and she goes like this. And I think, you know, in the flesh, you want to roll down the window and go, hey, lady, you know. But instead, I simply said, Lord, bless her. It was an opportunity for me, my window up, by the way. I didn't roll down my window and say, I just want to let you, God bless you, okay, lady? I didn't do that. Be a bit pharisaical, wouldn't it, if you did that? I just want to say, God bless you. But instead, I just prayed for her. And it was just such an opportunity to take the teaching of Jesus when he said, bless those who curse you. How many opportunities do we have in taking just the teachings of Jesus? Just take the Sermon on the Mount, for example, and apply those things that we find there into our lives and and I believe that if we will do that, if we will ask God for wisdom, if we will seek for wisdom, as we're seeking for hidden treasure, if we will look to apply the truths of the scripture, but specifically the teachings of Jesus, I believe that we'll gain wisdom in our lives. We'll be able to put folly aside and we won't live the prairie chicken lifestyle. A few weeks ago, I, I used this analogy of the prairie chicken in a message that I gave from the pulpit. And since then, my wife has been calling me a prairie chicken. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing, but I'll be talking to her about something. She'll go, that's prairie chicken living. Yes, it is. And it is not right for you to use, you know, the things I say from the pulpit against me, all right? But may God 
use this to touch our hearts, even throughout the rest of the day, that God would allow us to set our wings on the currents, that you and I could become the men that God has called us to be, that we would soar and move above, you know, living like a prairie chicken sometimes, that's all right, it's lawful, nothing wrong with it, you can do that, I don't want to spend my life doing that. I don't want to, in the end, have my life wasted on the things of prairie chickens. I want to set my wings on the, on the currents and see God use us in incredible ways, in the lives of our families, in the lives of our children, in the lives of the people that we work with. And may God bring radical changes into our lives that we might become the eagles that God has created us to be.